Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with Levi Solicitors who will offer you a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Dan, Michael and Moscow with you on the weekly show. Tell me something good about Levi Solicitors please, Michael. Can I just check if that 10% is on a limited range of services? For example, Will's probate and conveyancing or is it across everything they do? As far as I'm aware, everything they do. Imagine that. What a world. That's pretty good, isn't it? What do they do, though, beyond Will's probate and conveyancing? Because it'd be easy just to turn up, not just once a week, but several times a week and trot those three services off because mm. they the, might be the big three in your mind. But I'm sure there are lots more. Have I bought you enough time now to open the webpage? Do I have, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Residential property disputes. What about that? Licensing, professional negligence, commercial property, commercial dispute resolution. That's me reading some things. <laughs> Use those services if you need them. What, at a discount? Yes. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Right, let's crack on with the show then and uh, catch up with the latest. And the latest is good news where Archie Gray is concerned because Archie Gray has signed a new contract at Ellen Road. His previous one, was it 2025, was due to expire and there were, were there certain limitations around what you can sign as a, a wee boy. And as he gets older, you're allowed to give him longer contracts and presumably more pay. And now he's staying forever. So that's good, isn't it? 2028. How old Do- will he be? I don't know, still about 14. Will he win his first Ballon d'Or at Leeds or will he have to go elsewhere for that? He wants the Champions League as well, doesn't he? That's mm-hmm. his dream, win it with Leeds. And did he say captain of England? Was that one of his other targets where he was like, oh, I've got some time. <laughs> World Cup maybe? All these things. Yeah, he's going to do it all. He looks good enough. Well, that's nice, isn't it, boys and girls? It's nice to have nice things and it's nice to keep them. Are we naive enough to think that he might spend his whole career at Leeds? Am I being naive in even suggesting that suggestion? I mean, he might. You never know. The cynical bit of you always goes, a new contract. Well, I wonder what the release clause is. And, you know, if he's got a decent agent, which probably has because his dad... is his dad. Kind of is yeah. one. Um, you would think there'll be something built in that if we don't go up and start looking half decent at some point, he'll be able to leave. But, you know, it's nice that we might get to keep him I mean, we're at in least a, for a bit if we go up. Yeah, we're in a world of, of FFP here, aren't we? And we've seen what's happened to, to Forrest and Everton this week because they've been very, very naughty boys. A big miscarriage of justice, if you read their fans on Twitter. Is that right? That's what's going on. Ah, okay. I'll have to go back and read some more about that and form a more informed opinion. Oh, they've just broken the rules. But the point is, I was saying on 
the show's propaganda, wasn't it? Where Everton's, uh, sorry, by beg your pardon, Forrest's argument is, well, we, we actually were going to comply with it, but we hung on to Brennan Johnson and sold him to Spurs for a bit more money, which means we were, we were trying to comply. And as you, you rightly pointed out, well, you didn't have to wait and sell him and you might have broken his leg. You don't know what's going to happen, do you? So better to be proactive with these things. So um, you say we should sell him now? Yes. So okay. cash in now? Well, is it in maximum January. value with his, with his most value on his... Co- no, uh, what I'm saying is that we're in a world where FFP counts and if you don't comply with it, you're getting bothered. So you've either got to have, I don't know, billions coming in from so, some sort of petro gas state that you, you somehow get sponsorship deals mm. going on or unfortunately at times you have to sell players. Can we sell other ones? Can we do what Man City do? Create some sort of human farm? Or is that what Archie Gray is from our farm? I think even apart from the profit and loss part of things, there's the football point of view as well, is that if he does turn out to be good enough to win a Ballon d'Or and Leeds are in the Championship or mid-table in the Premier League, it's almost an argument that it's cruel to keep somebody... <laughs> Um, because if he's that good... If you and, love him, set him free. Well, yeah, it's the old. It's the argument we had when we were in um, the Championship and all the players were leaving under Bates. If Leeds were better, we could keep them. So it's got to work both ways. Leeds need to be good enough to do the things that a player who is good enough to win a Champions League needs. But people don't like to hear that, do they? It's the, well, no, it, they love to hear it because it means our club can build around Archie Gray and become that club. I mean, but then we just need to make sure we're not in the Birmingham City position because if you imagine if you know, Birmingham had held on to Jude Bellingham, then what's that doing for England's prospects of winning the next World Cup? Mm, yeah. No, no, it's a, it's a fair point, but I don't think fans, so, li- fans like us been saying, oh, well, he might not be here. Well, this is slightly... <laughs> we've started off celebrating a new contract and we're selling it within about five minutes. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's a more romantic way of looking at it than he'll put, you know, 50 million on the balance sheet for profit and sustainability. So if either way he's going, there'll be two reasons. One... The club might need to sell him for money at some point, or he might want to go because his ambitions are so high that Leeds just can't fulfil them. It's the same it's the same thing either way. Neither one is something that a fan of a club wants to hear, but one of them at least has the idea that if we if we get some more players who are as good as Archie Gray, keep him until his brother's good enough to play alongside him as well, then you've got two potential. They can vie for the Ballon d'Or at Leeds. And it's a dynasty. Yeah, but we just have to have a team that's good enough to do that. And if the team isn't good enough for that, then I wouldn't begrudge somebody with the, with the talent that it looks like Archie Gray has or the, the talent that Jude Bellingham clearly has gone on to have after leaving Birmingham at 16. You can't really begrudge them and go like, no, you should not have gone and tried to make the most out of your uh, career as a footballer. You should have stayed with us in lower mid-table. So all these things happen, and I find that part of it more interesting than the profit and sustainability because at least you're then going like well is it, it's a little bit like when we watch James Milner winning everything that was nice I enjoyed watching James Milner winning every trophy going envious that it wasn't us but also great that James from Horsforth was going to do all those things and the fact of him well I suppose the sale was slightly different circumstances because Ridsdale had messed us up but um, was just a, a player who was you know what would have been the point of having James Milner in League One and returning to a point I've touched on a few times, stuff we've said about enjoying like the here and now. It's a drum you've beaten before and I listened and I thought, do you know what, he's right. And that's why we should enjoy Archie Gray here and now because he is here in the here and now. But we do spend, we said, didn't we, in one of the recent match balls, we were laughing about the fact that you spend half your time as a, as a football fan wanting the game to be over because you're winning. <laughs> or whatever, well, if you are winning. But um, you sp- so you know, you'll spend half an hour a game thinking, right, come on now, 
just see it through to the final whistle. So you're always looking further down the road, aren't you? But actually, and this is one of the things I've tried to do this season, just in general, is enjoy what we're experiencing now. There's time for tension further down the track. I mean, it's kind of started already. It's just just that we've won three games 3-0, so there's not been any in recent weeks. You've forgotten there's already been tension. Yeah, but I was more annoyed over Christmas with them that they just felt like they let themselves down. I don't know. Mm, know Rather than the tension of crept in thinking that we can't do this, because I am by and large an optimist on these things and I still think we've got a shot of of getting in second albeit you know um, we're not sitting pretty as it stands at the minute Southampton and Ipswich better off because that's how the table works you know the teams that are higher up Mm. are performing better than the ones just underneath but the general point stands though we should just enjoy watching actually because he's magnificent great fun isn't he the way he effortlessly cruises through games and the the level of composure he has for a child is absurd like when he turns out of trouble he'll pick it up between two players and rather than just like hoof it down the line aimlessly and we'll come on to Rasmus in just a minute or two. He'll try and beat the man and then cut inside the second one and pass it off to one of his mates in midfield. And, you know, there's those loads of those moments during the games where you just go, oh, he's as good that's as just great. And I know we've seen him at right back a lot, but in central midfield, he looks as good as any other teenage star we've ever had, which is like Delph, Milner, Cook. He's of that sort of a level, isn't he? Yeah. I don't know. I know Lewis Cook, I think, would have probably gone on to much better things had he not had a run of injuries, but like, Fab Delft did all right, and so did James Milner, and I think um, I'm pretty sure Archie will. Yeah, speaking of Rasmus, then should we get onto that? Because uh, Mourinho's been sacked at Roma. Does this mean we're getting back? He's in their first team, isn't he? Playing centre back. Ooh, that's good. He's doing a great job. Not against Milan. He wasn't. <laughs> Listen, he was trying. What happened against Milan? Because I didn't see this. Every goal. Has... <laughs> or, or do I? Do I already know the answer? The score was three-one <laughs> to <laughs> Milan, and every goal they scored includes Rasmus doing something that a Sunday league player would be embarrassed by. He gets nutmegged for one. The one, Yeah, the one he gets nutmegged is he's up behind Olivier Giroud and just standing behind him mm. but while he lets him back heel it. And it looks as if he's almost got worse. Like watching those things, I, don't, I remember him being bad for us. But I don't remember him being that easy to get past. Like Giroud may as well have been playing against a nine-year-old. He says, well, there'll be loads of room behind me. I can't feel Christensen is standing behind him sort of at arm's length with his arm out as if to be like, yeah, don't try and turn because I'm here. And it's like, Shiru takes all day to like, I'm out. I'll just beat him easily. The first goal, he just comes running out of position to the ball and they just pass it into loads of space in the penalty area that he's just run out of and scored. The second one, it's a cross or a corner and Giroud is behind him and he just kind of turns around and goes, oh. You're there, mate. Yeah. Ah. I mean, it could just be that he didn't like Mourinho and so he's doing all this to get him sacked. Mm-hmm. And then when somebody comes in, they've got Daniel De Rossi on an interim basis until the end of the season. Then uh, maybe he'll suddenly start performing brilliantly for De Rossi. Maybe if they get another coach who is currently living in Italy, available, mm-hmm. kind of in the market, talking talking himself up for some... Somebody who's familiar with? For some jobs. Somebody who, who knows how to get the, the best, in inverted commas, out of him. <laughs> And has been saying that he's been, you know, looking at jobs with clubs that could be qualifying for Europa League. That's why he's waiting for the right opportunity. Then that could be something. There's a long run up to saying Jesse Marsh, isn't it? It made me laugh. Yeah. Can I just ask you, because I don't think we've spoken about um, Jesse's recent podcast appearances. We have touched on them um, in passing on these shows. Have you been enjoying them? No, I've been enjoying them. (laughs) (laughs) I did quite enjoy the one he was on with Michael Anthony before Christmas. 
It's quite interesting. I made it that I don't know anything about Michael Anthony, but his list of guests, he seemed to do it because was he desperate? Well, no, because Bob Bradley had done it and he does everything that Bob Bradley does. I can't find the list, but the like the previous guests include so Bob Bradley, Graham Linehan, Matt Letissier, and a run of Man United players because the presenter supports Man United. It's a real odd mixture of people. And then Jesse Marsh pops up. But what's funny, it's been uh, removed from the YouTube version, but um, at the start of it, Jesse is late, but the recording has started. The guy is obviously decided to start playing it now. I'll just start recording now and wait for him. So this guy, uh, he says, I don't mind a, a couple of minutes late, but this 24 minutes late is uh, is getting on a bit. And um, you need the bleeper ready because he then just goes, where is this? <laughs> right. And then he goes on. He's like, so it's talking about what the podcast is going to be doing next year. And then he's like, and he says, oh, hold on a minute. I'm getting an email now from this ignorant bastard. And then that's obviously Jesse saying, oh, I'm, I'm nearly there. And then you hear him. And then there's like, knock at the door. Like, Jesse, hi, come in. And he's like, sit closer to the microphone. Shall we get going? And this is all put out. Yeah, it's all part of the thing. So it must be part of this. I mean, mic- when we're calling each other characters like that, we, those are the bits we cut out before the show mm. starts, then we pretend it's all fine on air, don't we? It must be part of just Michael a, Anthony's... Uh, just a simmering tension between me and Michael. We absolutely loathe each other, don't we? Part and of his <laughs> shtick, I guess. He uh, does ask him but, towards the end as well. He gets into some quickfire questions. And one of the quickfire questions is, do you fear the concept of death? Oh, wow. And Jesse's answer is, um... <laughs> Do you fear the concept of death, Michael? No, not really. No. It might it's all right. be, it's, it's be all lovely and quiet, won't it? I'm going to correct. I think it might be the <laughs> fear the concept of dying, whichever one right. it is. And then he eventually says, it's great. Jesse turns it around into a full Marshes where he's like, no, actually, I'm more about the positivity of living. <laughs> but it takes him a while to get there. He's thrown off and he does take a, he makes a few references through it where he's like, you know, I like, I like being in uncomfortable situations, uh, like, that's why I'm loving this podcast where you're putting me against the wall. And he's clearly not loving it because he throws in that reference. It's like when Bob Bradley comes up, he's like, yeah, you know, Bob, Bob told me to do this show. It's like, it's like what the fuck has Bob got me into? But um, what if, he comes, if, you, if uh, you were sat in the room with, with, um, with Jesse Marsh, what would you ask him, Oscar? I would ask him, is it OK if I go? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there'd be no point talking to him. I mean, the... Uh, <laughs> The thing that stuck out on the Simon Jordan one, where he's talking about how when he, he was sacked, he shouldn't have been sacked by Leeds. Simon Jordan saying you were 17th. He says, no, we weren't on... On imaginary things. Yeah, on games in hand, we were 13th. And then Simon Jordan says, you had 18 points. He says, no, unexpected goals. We had 28 points. The one that's kind of gone under the radar is he says, um, Simon Jordan said, well, when you took over from Marcelo Bielsa, they were 16th. He goes, no, actually, on points per game, they were worse. They were lower than 16th. It's like... Every single scenario has an imaginary version where Jesse can go, well, actually, if you use different metrics. Yeah. Don't use points, me- don't use points per game for my bit. But do, that, use- that, but do use it for other people's stuff. And also, if you can go, because Jesse was very keen to stress across the period, wasn't he? You go, all right, well, look, let's look at Bielsa's points per game across his time at Leeds, shall we? Yeah. Oh, he was doing, he was doing brilliantly. He would obviously, they'd have finished, they'd have finished 12th that year if they'd have just left him in charge. He does it with Bob Bradley as well, because Simon Jordan starts saying, because he's, he's part of his thing is like, it almost feels like he came to the Premier League to sort of defend the honour of Bob Bradley and the way he was treated at Swansea. And Simon Jordan makes the point, it's like, yeah, but Swansea were getting battered every week. And he goes, oh, well, they were getting battered before he came. He says, well, he didn't make it better. He says, oh, actually, if you look at the metrics, he oh, did make Christ. it slightly better. <laughs> didn't Bob Bradley get a ridiculously low number of points? Like, 
much worse than Jesse. I'm sure he. Well, ended well it was up... only there for like a few months yeah. because because it, it was because it was catastrophically bad. He, yeah. like, he lost more or less every game. I think in Jesse's head. <laughs> he was chased away for saying PKs instead of penalties and things like oh, this. That, and it that was vicious all, British media. It was all, well, it was. The, and even on that as well, when he's talking about how uh, what he said about Bielsa's players being overtrained, it's like the reason, he says the reason that got made a big deal was that there were people, Leeds fans, almost waiting for him to slip up. They were waiting for me to slip up. Like, Why did you do it then? You knew <laughs> Just that people your, were waiting to slip up. Bury your job. Don't say it. So um, he's very much, I'm quite, I'm enjoying I've written about it all in the new magazine, but I'll do this bit where... Uh, When's that out for? Uh, the Preston game on Sunday, so it'll be out uh, very soon on the line. And um, he, he's got his, got his data team, who are presumably the ones going like, no, it's all right, Jesse, you, you were doing really well. But he's also got his AI team. And the way he's describing the work with the AI team is that they're kind of, they're looking at clubs, seeing what their transfer politics are. I love the phrase, transfer politics. See what the players have got in, in the squad, what match plans they use, and then uh, using AI to see, like, if Jesse was the manager using his ideas, how would that play out? Like, what would they do? Which, which, uh, what would they do to strengthen the squad? And what could a different match plan do with those players to get more out of them? And it's a literal description of somebody playing football manager. That is exactly what football manager is. You take over a data-driven copy of Leeds United Football Club. Yep. It's all copied from reality and re- replicated in a database. And then the artificial intelligence in Football Manager, which is the game and has been the game since the 80s, says like, right, if you used this formation and gave the players these instructions, this is what would happen. But he's like, yeah, I've got an AI team and I'm using data. Nobody's, like, it's incredible what they can do now. He's just playing Football Manager. And I don't know if this will be someone, part of his... Someone uh, say he always was. Well, exactly. <laughs> Bob, Bob Bradley's record, by the way, eight points from eleven games. Uh, that's good. that's why. What's that on a PP? What's that on a PPG there? M, uh, M- <laughs> not point seven three. Ah, shite, innit? But what were they doing before Bob got there? Probably about the same. Well, um, anyway, we have a massive better. improvement. It's, it, is, it is an achievement, though. That I've, I've never listened to that other guy's podcasts. Come on, this come on here, but, Jesse. Um, Jesse, come on here. If you're watching this, and I'm sure you still check in because you're uh, you're vain. Come on, this show. If you can share a podcast platform with. Um, Letitia and Graham Linehan and still end up looking the biggest dick on there. It's, it's some going. So well done, Jesse. We still haven't signed that. a uh, fullback just with reference to uh, to Rasmus before, uh, which is how we, we went off on a, a Jesse tangent. Links to Nico Williams from Forest, Connor Roberts, Burnley, Ben Johnson at West Ham, Ben Davies at Spurs, quite a lot of Bens. Just Ryan Giles fullbacks. Just sign. They've still got the Welsh filter on, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, the, but for the, the most part. The Ben Davies one is interesting because you would have thought he was out, out of our reach because he's 31, heading towards 32 in the spring. But dad's a Leeds fan and um, his best mates with Joe Roden who apparently like, loves it here. So um, get it done. Uh, I mean, he's injured yeah. at the minute. Dodgy hamstring. So fit in with the rest of our left backs. <laughs> I've got to admit, uh, he's kind of completely off my radar as a footballer. I had no idea he was that old. Mm. There you go. But yeah, fine. We'll have him even though he's injured, I suppose. Yeah. If he's mates with Joe, yeah, um, two can get on. News this week about Robert Snodgrass retiring. Big old doff of the cap to Snoddy. We'll do a little standalone show about Snoddy, I think, in the next week or two. Because he, he warrants it, doesn't he? Because he was fun uh, yeah. during a bleak time. But we just want to acknowledge that and just say, yeah, nice one. It's all right, wasn't he? <laughs> the, tri- <laughs> the tribute he was looking for. <laughs> yeah, nice one. You were good, you. Yeah. yeah. All the all the effort you put in, that way. Ooh, nice one, mate. No, you're good. But like, he's getting his own show. What, what does he want? It's, in, it's interesting actually to talk about actually Gray earlier and how you want 
the club to grow around him so we can get to keep him because we are good. That whole era of Bates was just a list of those players, wasn't it? That you go, oh, it would have been nice if we'd have got to see Snodgrass for another couple of years because we made a good team around him. Because we were better. And Fab Delph yeah. and Jermaine Beckford and Max Gradle and Becchio. Like, there, were, there were good players in there, but they were just always passing through because we were completely lacking any ambition. Even, I mean, they get underrated a bit, but Housen played mm-hmm. Premier League. Johnson played in the Premier League with Norwich as well. Casper yeah. Schmeichel obviously won the fucking Premier League somehow. I suppose he was pretty good. And all those players, we were, you know, Simon Grayson says, if you'd just been allowed to sign a couple of better defenders. And we were unlucky with, because Norbo was a very good defender, but his Achilles went right when we got promoted. Then, you know, we were so close to the playoffs the first time. Worst teams than that team have um, managed to get promoted. But yeah, it was um, almost ridiculous looking back. And each one, you kind of lull yourself into that security at the time where each one is like, oh, well, we won't, you know, if Alisson won, we'll pass them on the way up one by one. And then you suddenly realise they are all playing in the Premier League. Us and Ramon Nunes will pass you on the way up. <laughs> that oh, well. was it. I mean, Snodgrass was replaced, Warnock uh, replaced him with Luke Varney. And it's kind of an illustration of, I suppose it's uh, making hay while the sun shines, isn't it? That we kind of, instead of signing the player or the players, one or two, to get us promoted when we were top of the league at Christmas, you then let them all go until you're just left with Luke Varney, Danny Webber. Who else did we bring in? Cam- I suppose if eventually Cameron Stewart and uh, Jimmy Kebby came to kind of save the situation. Championship landfill. Yeah. Whereas what we'd, we'd somehow, and I suppose it's, um, I guess it links to Ben Davies, is how much, I don't know how much the draw, it was like a perfect storm with Snoddy because we had McAllister um, brought him in and we're leads. And I think in we managed to tempt some players to lead one. Um, there's a bit about Andy Robinson, the new mag as well. So remembering that him, he actually won promotion from League One with Swansea, but then signed for Leeds, thinking that we'd be getting promoted as well, but was like, I want to go to the bigger club. And then ended up staying in League One with us for circumstances out of his control. But yeah, we quietly built, because Snodgrass was with us in League One, Beckford, Becchio. Um, who else was down there all the way? Was Housen in the Housen was in League yeah, One, yeah. obviously. Fab Delph. It's a ridiculous team to have had it at that level. And yeah, we could only keep them. It was ambition that, that went where the, the players had the ambition that the club didn't. So one by one, they all went, house and went to Norwich and then Snoddy was left behind going like, right, well, if this is an ambitious club. That was the summer, I suppose it is instructive with Archie Gray and stuff. The summer Snoddy went was when him, he was basically arguing in the press with Neil Warnock and it's like, it's all very well him saying that we're going to have a great season and get, get promoted. But I mean, the subtext of what he was saying was, I don't believe him. And, and also, I've been here long enough that if it's not happening this season, I can't just have another season doing the same things over and over again. That's what um, I meant earlier on, actually. It's about it's about us living in denial as football fans, isn't it? We prefer to avoid some of the uncomfortable truths about our football teams, I think. It, when it feels better, there's comfort in thinking they're going to stay around. Yeah, and it's very much up to a player at times. Loyalty can be stretched as far as it is, but there's also you know personal ambition for somebody who's come from Scotland and has their own ideas of what to do. and. The thing with Snodgrass that stands out for pretty much all his clubs is I think every team he played for, they loved him because he's just that kind of player who whatever shirt he is wearing, he will make sure he is playing as well as he possibly can. And I don't think there's a club he played for where the fans didn't take to him. Wrapping up the stuff with the other teams, then 21s 
played a game against Everton. No, they didn't. That was at York. It was frozen. Frozen pitch. Is that what they're going for these days? The the term for when Solid. it's a chilly pitch. Solid frozen, pitch. Frozen. Frozen chilly pitch. Yeah. Presumably they don't have under-soil heating at the York Community Stadium. The women played against Middlesbrough and lost 3-1. Middlesbrough are cheating by proxy, are we saying? Because they hoovered up all the talent that Newcastle let go last season who won this division and bought their way out of it. Stop that. They would describe it as showing ambition. Right. I think. Getting a load of good players and winning the league. Yeah. It's probably a good tactic when there's only one um, promotion place. You can read the, uh, the match report on that by Flora it's on at thesquareball.net and let's wrap things up on Charlie Creswell sounds like a parting of the uh, of the ways is inevitable doesn't it what do you think about that talking about young players leaving in this show he's seemingly having a should we say a butting of heads with Daniel Farker mm. if the recent press conference comments are to be taken at face value I'd like to see that literally happening because they've both got very big heads yeah mm. yeah it opens some sort of black hole I think as they or maybe a mushroom cloud yeah. would would appear from the two of them but yeah yeah, it's weird. I think everyone was uh, a bit taken aback by this because it was like, well, he's Charlie Cresswell. That's, that's Legion United's number five. He's a young local centre back. He can't be causing bother. When it's one of these, when it's one of these fancy foreign wingers, it's one thing, but it's it's a different altogether when it's Charlie Cresswell. But yeah, if you, I suppose if you back Farker on Willie Nonto and you know being hard on on people like that and Jed Spence, I guess you back him on this, don't you? If you're, it's it's the decision one way or another. Yeah, it's quite a a tough disciplinary line being taken because it's not only that you have to wait your turn, but you have to wait your turn in a manner befitting a player who deserves a turn when the turn comes round. And he sort of alluded to the fact that Creswell thought that when there would be a player injured in his position, he will automatically take that. And it's almost like a bit of a, seems like it's teaching him a lesson. Say, well, no, because you've been all right, grumpy bastard around the place and I don't want a grump in the team whether there's an injury or not, I'll just, I'll put somebody else there until you uh, cheer up or go. And the going part of it, if he is going, was uh, interesting because um, obviously Phil was saying that most of the interest is from clubs who are, consider themselves or we consider them to be rivals for promotion. Um, and we don't want him to go to a team where he could have an impact on the promotion race and makes you wonder, Luke Ayling to Middlesbrough is a, a move that could have an impact on us being promoted but I think that was part of what Farker was saying about this where he's saying that you know Luke he came and asked if he could go to Middlesbrough and when you think about everything that Luke Ayling has done for this football club over a considerable period of time and the way in which he's done those things for this football club there is no way that you can say to a player like him who has done so much no whereas if Charlie Creswell I think came and said I want to go to Middlesbrough he'd be like well why should we let you do what you want because you've not done any of the the things that Luke Hayling has done that mean he deserves it. So I think that's all part of the kind of the uh, the butting of heads, as you put it, that Creswell is not being given things that Farker, and presumably he's backed by other people at the club on this, think he hasn't earned. Mike. Whether that's a place in the team or a place in uh, Middlesbrough's team or whoever else it, want, it is that wants him. If you had a grumpy player, Michael, I mean, obviously you're a, you're a seasoned coach. Mm-hmm. How would you deal with it? Cheer him up. How? Tickles. Just give him a little tickle. Tell him to not be so miserable. Really? Yeah. It worked really well. Do you think Willie Nonto wouldn't have been solved by the bit of a tickle in summer? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The court is in session. Levi solicitors have provided their uh, their advice as the the TSB jury. That's us assembles. We are going to pick a Ken Bates villain of the week first. Then we are going to pick a Gitano Baradi hero of the week second. There are various other accolades slash I don't know labels we can apply to people looking for one villain of the week. First of all, we can air some petty grievances if we want. We really need to bring back your book of petty grievances, Moscow. It did actually exist in physical form for a bit, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Have you got that still? I mean, we're going back 11 years? Yeah. I mean, I've got t-shirts older than that, but um, cheap shots and you can throw people under the bus. That's been a recent development if you want to throw somebody under the bus. Not many people have been bussed yet, but um, anyway, let's get into it. Who would you each like to nominate of the uh, various candidates for the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award? Kind of easy, but back to Jesse. Did we not give it to Jesse last week? Maybe, maybe, but Weedy has nominated him as well via the TSB Plus form. But he was asked an all-time 11 this week was Jesse. This uh, was the before Christmas, this one. Yeah, oh, this is before Christmas, is it? Sorry, I've, I've honestly just seen it so this week. It's just in come the, to your uh, attention. So in, in the, in the yeah. excellent TSB Plus daily email, no less. But yeah, he didn't pick Rafinha, didn't pick Calvin Phillips, did pick... Bradley Wright Phillips within that. We're respecting Lloyd Sam. I think that's fair. Well, kind of the crossover of the conversation is he's going Erling Haaland, really. Well, he's saying Lloyd Sam. Come on. And then it's the Michael Anthony podcast. It's when he says Rafinha. Oh, well, no. So I didn't really have Lloyd much Sam. time with it. Well, his argument is I didn't have as much time with him. The part that actually irritated me more because I like Lloyd Sam. It's fine. <laughs> he always seemed like a nice guy. And that gets you into Jesse's team if you're a nice guy is when. Again, it suggested like Calvin Phillips. And he goes, ah, I like Calvin a lot, but uh, probably not my best 11. Tyler Adams. So it's almost like he, he, he used being asked Calvin Phillips to go Tyler Adams. Mm. And um, yeah, and then it, it, it deteriorates from there when he's, he's last to Max Verber, Rasmus Christensen. And he said, that's a thing about it, 11. I was like, well, you're counting <laughs> those two. Good luck. And, and not including Rafinha as well on the juice of it. I didn't get to spend much time with him. During the time... 
you did get to spend with him. It shows how much you can think outside the box. Something no one else has tried to make Rafinha do probably before or will ever again. I know where you're going. The long throws. Yeah. yeah. That was the one thing he, he managed to get out of Rafinha, wasn't it? Play him at wing back, make him do long throws. And actually, if I was a, a coach, and you're saying like, who were the, the best players who worked with you? I would think, well, I had Rafinha, who was an incredibly talented winger. And he, presumably with a minimum of complaint, played at right back and took long throws. I would go, you know what, just because he did those things for me, it's looking like, what did you do with Erling Heights? Like, Erling, I think you should score some goals. Like, yes, it's okay, Jesse, I've got this. Played him at left back. Whereas with Rafinha, he managed to convince him to do these things, which is, you know, people look back at Rafinha sometimes, like, without, like you know, players pass through the club and how dedicated they were. But I think that the march across the, the pitch on his knees at Brentford was a demonstration of his commitment to Leeds, but also the fact that he was willing to take long throws for this chump <laughs> should get him into said chump's top 11 players he's ever coached. Yeah, agreed. Okay. so Because he didn't get... Rasmus Christensen, what did Rasmus Christensen ever do to show that he was listening to... Because to, I'm sure Jesse Marsh was like, Rasmus, if he could just play a little bit better. Yeah, and but, he he didn't. but he celebrated moments. He did celebrate moments. He, he yeah. played with minimal width. I don't know if you ever saw him. I don't know if you remember his, his I guess it was like his um, signature move, wasn't it? That that charge out to cover the person who was about to score at the far post. Yep. Yeah, and well, there was two signature moves as well. I think you're doing him dirty there because he used to pick it up uh, in the right-back position, not really know what to do with it, then boot it oh, down the line. And forward, yeah. yeah. yeah just, no. just whack it towards the penalty spot. So. Coming back to the goals that Rasmus, I think we're nominating Rasmus here as well somehow. <laughs> but the ones that he conceded against Milan. I don't think I've ever known a defender look so urgent all the time, but yet never be anywhere near where he needs to be. But maybe the two are related because he's always out of position and never quite knows where he should be. That but he seems to think, like, ah, shit. He seems to think they're almost doing it's things. Like, you, know, you know that SpongeBob uh, meme where he's running around like that, with it flopping his arms, by the way, for the benefit of anybody just listening rather than watching. Uh, if you do something at a certain speed, it's better. Whereas when you watch good defenders. All in. Well, yeah, whereas when you, when you watch good defenders, they just. Generally quite calm and nowhere to stand in the first place. Right. It is part of the Jesse Marsh RB mantra is go all in and, you know, commit. Go through them. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, do it do it all do it totally. So I think um yeah, what you're describing is that Rasmus Christensen will pick the wrong idea but then fully commit to the wrong thing. <laughs> bit like Jesse Marsh himself, to be fair, which explains why they like each other. Yeah. It's funny, Weston McKenney didn't get into this um eleven, but he was talking about him and this was also in the, the daily email this week that he uh um, he's talking about what the plan was with Weston McKenney at Leeds. He said the, the plan was that against the ball, he would be playing as a, as a number 10, but with the ball, uh, sorry, he'd be playing as an eight, but then with the ball, he would be playing as an attacking number 10. And I was just picturing him waddling from from defensive midfield to attacking midfield, like how fast Jesse was actually expecting any of those things to happen. But he's in shape now, isn't he, Weston? He sorted himself out and he's loving... Juventus is player of the year, potentially, no less. Wow. Yeah, Amazing. And that's good for him. And he was saying, wasn't he, in his recent interviews, how happy he is that he had a bad experience at Leeds because it's made him better now. So well done. Well, Thanks, Wes. It's all personal. We've all got to grow as Growth, people. Yeah. So the thing Marsh was saying on the Michael Anthony podcast was he doesn't need to work. You know, financially, intellectually, he's in a play and he, he loves, he's loving at the moment just spending time with his family again. So he doesn't need to work, but he wants to work so that he can be he said it's so that he can find an environment with like-minded people where he can uh, sort of be the most authentic version of himself at the highest level. Um, do you know what he needs to do? I, I know what it is, where he needs to get it. Because I'm just thinking there when you're saying that, somebody give him a job so he can stop doing podcasts. 
I don't know if it'll necessarily um, stop him. I don't know if it will stop him. It actually, didn't stop him at Leeds. The route out of this is for him to create his own wellness retreat where he's like some, one of those sort of gurus. I was thinking to get a job with Jake. What's his company called? Oh, Whisper. Whisper. Get a job at Whisper. Yeah. As like a motivational hype man who can also chip in on the podcast as, a, you, as a high performer himself. Do you think there's a day will come when the high performance podcast will have Jesse Marsh on it? Or has he not performed high enough yet? I mean, they've got Scott McTominay on it this week. Yeah. That's <laughs> Who's? <laughs> I mean, I suppose he's he's a Premier League footballer, isn't he? Yeah, and as he's been for a number of years, which is more than any of us can say. I mean, scum fans have hated him obviously for the entire <laughs> yeah. time, but he's hung around. So if high performance is just hanging around for a long time, yep. Well done, Dan. Yep. You've uh, you've Fair well apart from the bit where you weren't presenting the podcast. Yep. But other than that, you've hung around for at least a few years. Yep. So well done. Yeah. I'm planning to stick around because I don't, I don't really have any other options now. <laughs> so so there's that. See, I don't, I don't need to work. I don't have to work. I'm doing this because I'm, yeah. I'm trying to find, still searching, to be honest, for like-minded um, <laughs> and competent people. He said as well, oh, I mean, competent. Who forgot that we were doing a podcast today? Never mind. <laughs> when Listen, all, I was here anyway. Rolled in, it, rolled in and you're like, what are you? What are you doing? You asked here? what I was doing here. <laughs> it's like we're doing a show. Um, the one of the other things Jesse said as part of that discussion is that is. Wait, can we just say is, just, just um, finish that story, Moscow? We did we did put this in our Slack as well. And it I was, read it in there, and yeah. I knew about it. I even mentioned it earlier in the week too, didn't I? Because I was like yeah. around the video stuff, then probably forgot. That's the level of diligence and care that Michael puts into this show. So anyway, anyway info about us. Do continue. He was saying that he didn't. He doesn't want to be famous. He just wants to be a normal person. He doesn't want any of that. It's not. Nothing's about ego and then it's put to him it's like does everybody in football want to be famous like yeah everybody in football wants to be famous so everybody in football is in it for the fame and the ego apart from the guy who is never off podcasts who uh, the LinkedIn story is kind of he puts that to um, Simon Jordan asked him that as well he said what were you doing on LinkedIn and he's like he says uh, he hired a PR team and they don't go into why he hired a PR team but he hired a PR team and they not in it for profile obviously you don't need a PR team if you're not no, nope. etc. And they thought oh, it was. God, his, you're they, winding me up. They thought it was essential that he do this. And then he he tries to make a joke like, "Am I still on LinkedIn?" <laughs> his weird, creepy laugh that he used to do. <laughs> like one of the, it's like you know those um, laughing sailors you get at Scarborough Seafront and stuff, where it's, it's um, you put money in it and laughs at you, like one of them malfunctioning. It's with its wooden chin. <laughs> so I'm just looking at uh, Jesse's I've just looked at his LinkedIn profile and one of the posts that's up there from a year ago I don't know if this is the last one the most recent one keen to give a real insight into the life of a football manager so I thought I would kick things off with a Q&A drop your questions etc etc below so one of the top answers that has come up is from a guy called Jason Scott who asks what do you think of the proposed pedestrianisation of Hastings Town Centre and what will its impact be for local business <laughs> and so on he didn't and really so commit to it Jesse did he no. So, but the PR team that he hired to go with his data team and his AI mm. team. Imagine telling people, that you, what do you do? I, I work for Jesse Marsh. <laughs> I don't actually see any answers. I'm just looking That's down. what I mean. He didn't commit to it. So he asked the question for questions and then I'm, I'm, I don't see any answers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. One of them is, have you decided on what the best 11 is at, at Leeds yet? I mean, bear in mind, it's quite a thin week for villains because Cardiff were so thoroughly incompetent. We couldn't even find anyone to hate there just give it to Jesse the other candidates are Charlie Creswell has been suggested by Tom the concept of Cardiff by Luca B Jake from Florida wanted Southampton 
grow up and start losing like adults. And then uh, Alice and Derek Smalls both have problems with the dickhead ref for booking Groif. Groif, indeed. Bryn Law is telling us. It was, it was Bonnie's lad, wasn't it, the uh, the referee again? It was. Brother of John from the Meekons, Langford. So um, so all those are kind of like, they're they're all petty grievances, really, aren't they? Have you got a sick bag Anything to hand? Else? I'm going to see if I can make you sick now. I've, I've, I've not been listening to the last couple of minutes. I've been reading Jesse's LinkedIn profile. I need to read you the post before that. I'm a big reader, particularly when it comes to thought leadership. And I wanted to share a few favourite books and the thoughts and learnings they've left me with. This is Nine Types of Leader by James Ashton. Essentially, the book shows that there are nine types of people that become leaders and it talks through what their core traits are. I think mine wound up being a combination of lovers and humans. I couldn't help but think of people I know as I was reading the book and matching them with the categories that James has created. I found this particularly interesting because as a player, I was so cutthroat and it was always about winning. As a coach, I'm focused on results, but I'm more about culture, nurture, development and relationships and being honest. This wasn't something I anticipated when I became a coach. I still have a hard time processing a loss. It's always a big thing to overcome, but after a little time, I'm able to get back to the core of what I believe and who I am. And that is someone who connects with people. Yeah, he's, he came back to that in the Simon Jordan interview, didn't he? He was talking about that again, saying how he, for him it's not really about <laughs> winning and losing. You're like, well, if you do lose, you will get sacked. So you need to probably make it a bit, a little bit about winning and losing games. Because, oh. and also, it's not about winning and losing games. It's about winning and losing hand-selected statistical battles, which is what he actually seems to want to be to be judged on. Yeah, this is relationships it. and certain aspects of statistics, but not the ones that say we never pass to each other. Yeah. He can't actually point to any players that improved through his nurturing. He can't be like, oh well, no. I turned. I turned Joffy Gelhart into a really great player. He put him on for two minutes at a time, even after Joffy had basically helped him. But the thing with all that stuff is it's so, he presents it all as if it's incredible thought leadership, but really it's so just like benign and boring. It's why it's so difficult to deal with. It's just, you know, I really believe in creating an environment where people are valued and there's a lot of honesty. And everyone's like, yeah, but who doesn't? Yeah. With, uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible. You, like When you really look into that, it's at the core of who I am. It's like, yeah, but it's just like, it's not like anybody else turns up to work and it's like a horrible tyrant. That's not the, the plan. It's like, yeah, but you've got really got to look. One of the top answers underneath points out that good leaders will change when a system isn't working and somebody digs him out basically for playing narrow. So anyway, that's enough about that. Is it Jesse then? Have we accidentally yeah, defaulted to Jesse again? Jesse. Yeah. If, even if this did happen before Christmas, we're doubling down on this from last week's victory for Jesse as well. well he's had week. round two with Simon Jordan, hasn't he? Well, Just learn the lesson. Much more. We'll emphatically send the message home. Just to round off, maybe this is uh, the final thing on um, the Simon Jordan podcast, which was last week, who refers to the Michael Anthony podcast, but he says, somebody was asking me that the other week. Doesn't even say, I don't know if it's contractually obliged that you can't mention on one podcast that you're on another, but I'd be, uh, I think it maybe showed what he thought of that interview. He's like, yeah, somebody else was asking, some guy, some guy who, um, when I turned up 20 minutes late, was <laughs> C-bombing me. <laughs> Out of my own podcast appearance. Right, let's move on then to some positivity and talk about the scores on the doors from our TSP Plus members very quickly. Man of the match for the Cardiff game, Ruta, 8.32, average out of 10, scored by our members with Ampadu and James, scoring 8.11. Rodon Gruev, just below that. And the dickhead referee, 3.54 out of 10. Annoyance, yeah, that, that booking for Gruev. Got the ball, didn't he? Leave him alone. He did, but he's, he's a changed man now, isn't he? Mm. He's our best midfielder. 
Are you nominating him as your hero? Yes, it seems I accidentally am. <laughs> well, yeah, I firmly believe he is the hero of the week because he's um, the best midfielder in the championship now. Yeah, because he's played well once. Anyway, player of the year, Somerville still out in front. Ampadu, Rodon, James, triple uh, Welsh threat there. Somerville, behind. pathetic in this game. 6.78, one of the lowest scorers of the starters anyway. But anyway, uh, Ruta is gradually climbing the charts there and potential um, potential winner Chris Clarsen is now dropping a bit because he's mm-hmm. not playing again, is he? Uh, anyway, the Katana Barada Hero of the Week will factor in those scores when we decide who to crown as Hero of the Week. Some commendations could be given out off to the cap. Where do you want to start? Who's nominating who? Well, it's obviously Gruev. Thank you. Yeah, that's because You're wrong. he was in midfield. Yeah. Midfield and it did pretty The next well, rocker, potentially, said uh, Derek Smalls, but his recent performances have happily proved him wrong. We've not seen him in the right position. I don't tackling think, we? distribution until, vision until recently. So yeah, him him and Ampadu together not great. Him and someone a bit further forward, Kamara, absolutely fine. You've forgotten but, his name. No, but great. He played with Gray as well, didn't he? At Peterborough, he was yes, there. Yes, he did. Bit, and that yeah. was and that was fine too. So yeah, we just needed to play him in the right position. We just needed a bit of time as well. Get used to things. Right, step up to the legal hockey then, Moscow and. Rebut his argument uh, and put someone else forward. Who? You're wrong. Uh, the hero of the week is Junior Furpo. <laughs> wow, okay. Didn't see that coming. No. Well, Alice nominating Rutter said that if we uh, don't pick him, then a, a fairy will die. So I am taking a big mm. a big risk. But that first goal, what the hell? Furpo dribbling in off the ring, be- beating off the ring, be- yeah. off the wing, beating Dribbling three. off his ring is some, some going. <laughs> <laughs> Held off one, strong. Stronger than you would expect somebody with his injury record to be. And then beats that player and then two more, dashing in between them. And um, was then, this is what they always like, Alan McCoy was always praising for this, didn't just didn't just stand and watch, but got right in front of the goalkeeper and could have scored that if the ball hadn't just bounced off his legs to, mm. to Bamford, who rose like uh, he was in the exorcist on his back and kicked it <laughs> over the line. <laughs> and, and I, yeah, so that, and then he did loads of other good stuff as well. Obviously was being run all over the place by it was Josh Bowler, wasn't it, their, their winger. But um, I think... He didn't deserve the headband, by the way. He's not good enough to have a headband. No, I mean, putting Furpo on toast is no kind of... What's, no. Your, what's your criteria for a footballer having a headband? You've, just got to have a, you've got to have a better name than that for a start. And you've got to not be playing for Cardiff. You need tiny shin pads, socks down your, by your ankles somewhere. That's if you're the British variant. Or you can be sort of... You could be Portuguese, potentially. Right. With the kind of long, sleek hair that you're keeping held back, whereas he he looked like he didn't even really need it. Yeah, and was didn't seem to have any tricks. Just was a a very basic championship winger. So so not allowed. Not allowed. Fine. Not allowed. Thank you for your uh, for your input. That's that's an interesting move. That one, Furpo. I think he was a better winger than uh, than Bowler. Mm. Playing the false three. The false three. <laughs> but it, it, it's you know we can't deny. I know Cardiff were terrible, but they should have been good because they're going for the playoffs. Peterborough, Peterborough, a good team in League One. And then he played most of the game before that when we beat, who did we beat 3-0? Peterborough. And then before that, we played Birmingham, Birmingham, didn't we? Who again? So the standard of competition isn't great. But three clean sheets with Furpo playing as a a false three. And there is the question, oh, well, does it mean, you know, Roden has to run over and um, sort things out if Furpo gets beaten? Yes. What's the problem? Mm, if he's going up the other end and setting up goals as well, then you just allow for the things that he's good at, bad at, and then fine. Fark has had that opinion from the start of the season when we've had the, why don't we sign a left-back thing? as well, I think Furpo could actually tear up this division if he gets fit. The fitness is a big if, but 
on the last three games, there's no reason why you wouldn't say he is not just a, a hero, but I think a Leeds United legend. <laughs> <laughs> Carried away. I could tell you, I could tell I was losing your thoughts. Thought I'd say something outrageous. I think it is fair to say that after that sticky patch where we lost the two away games, I don't think anyone saw Fopo, Bamford, and Grove as our route out. Is that his list. dribbling ring as well? Again, is it? But um, <laughs> oof, don't want that, do you? But yeah, those three. Yeah, from nowhere, all of a sudden. Right up there amongst the top scorers. Bamford's wow. in his hot streak. He's always been a bit of a streaky player. Mm. So it is kind of three and three, how long that keeps going for. But that's that's exactly the end of the season. Exactly what Martin Holbeck says. Who knows how long this will last. So Patrick needs to be the hero until the streak stops. People are putting some very high sort of conditions on these things. <laughs> we have to keep making Bamford the hero, otherwise he'll stop scoring. And Alice says that we have to keep making Rutter the hero or fairies are going to die. Neither of these things are things that want to happen. But I almost feel like so that the responsible, like I'm going to just abdicate any of those responsibilities and just go furpo because there's less pressure. I did like the foot, although it did slightly make me alarmed. The footage of Ruta running around in the snow, like I always liken him to, like a like a Labrador puppy. Puppies love the snow. Do we think he's skiing? No, I know David. And he you're looks like he's skiing. You're thinking <laughs> of David Battier and the motorbikes, aren't you? Because he used to defy because they they're not insured basically to do high risk stuff either that might break their legs. You're forbidden from doing it, but David Batty used to go off and do it anyway on his motorbike. I don't doubt... He used to ride his motorbike into training. <laughs> I don't doubt Ruta has told them he's not skiing. Yeah, the photos of him on a ski slope. <laughs> like, what else do you do on a ski slope? Walking it's about. Walk about, but then it's really dangerous. Yeah, it's quite slippy. Have you ever um, been skiing? Nah. Oh, I went once on my mate Stag Do. We went to, to Bulgaria. Skiing on a Stag Do, that's an expensive job. Well, it wasn't because we went to a place called Borovets in Bulgaria. It was actually dead cheap. Just was it, There wasn't actually any snow. Just no, there wasn't. Bulgarian it was, skiing down it, some, it, some rocky face. It was really, really nice. I had a great time. I spent all of five minutes on the slopes before I, I fell over one time. And it was on the like the little baby like training slope. Mm. And I was like, do you know what? That's me done. Humiliated. Yeah, completely. No word of a lie. A six-year-old child just whizzed past me and then stopped at the bottom where I was kind of still of that, you know, shit, how do I stop? Kind of mm-hmm. this, point your skis in, what's the stop? And I've, I've never been either before or since. I just retreated to the bar and stuff like that. What you did find in Borovets, though, there was quite a lot of bars with sex workers in and a lot of really gangstery looking blokes. So you oh, kind okay. of needed to like watch what you were doing. Lovely result, though. Sounds, yeah, it sounds, and I genuinely was. It was and it was pretty cheap as well. But um, great. I've always been put off skiing since uh, when I was probably about seven or eight. One of my mum's friends had an accident skiing, and the ski pole went like in sort of arse leg and out through stomach. It was absolutely fine. Somehow missed all internal organs. But as an idea, that just it just didn't appeal to me after that. No, just thought I don't want I don't want a big big pole of steel through my guts. No, that's it. That's enough to put me off. That is so, uh, Manuel Neuer's boot held his horrific leg wound together while it bled severely after his post-World Cup skiing accident. There's some more ski chat. Some more ski chat were from a footballer who did go skiing and had a horrific accident mm. that left him with a broken leg. I mean, what is it about sliding down a hill at high speed on top of ice? <laughs> well, he got he, dangerous. he managed to navigate his knee slide yeah. without injury, didn't he, at the weekend? And that was nice. He's, he should really be nominated as the hero. For Do you that. think he's going down the slopes playing air guitar as a tribute to Luke Ayland? <laughs> he will be, won't he? That's what he'll be doing. He'll be knee sliding down. Despite all the evidence of, of the photographs of him at various stages of a of a ski slope, wearing <laughs> ski gear with a... What's the, the thing that takes ski you up the top of the ski lift in the background? And no photos of, his, of what's on his feet. <laughs> he is definitely not skiing, so that's fine. Yeah, I do like Ruta. He's just great fun, isn't he, still? Not as much fun as 
my hero of Furpo. Yes. Uh, some formal commendations maybe to uh, to give out. Luke Ayling wants to be formally commended by Armitage Shanks for a win at the Den mm. with Middlesbrough. Can we formally praise Middlesbrough winning things? I know we like Luke Ayling, but... Uh, there are no threats to us at the minute, are there? That's no, fine. No. Dan and Ruby, 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 I want to nominate Cardiff. Formal commendation for Cardiff for the hilarious Keystone Cops behaviour. The uh, That's the Dan James collision, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? There is something nice about making... It's a bit like when you put a goalkeeper on the floor by as Ruta did actually for the for the goal. Something like making people fall over is funny. Yeah. And if you can do it via nutmegs, making them just run into each other, or in the case of Luke Vanny, making yourself fall over yeah. for no apparent reason, it's always funny. What's your best fall been? Because <sighs> you made me think of it because of skiing. I fell over uh, on the school run a while back. So that was quite embarrassing. He's <laughs> uh, probably a year or two ago. It's got just... a, picture, a picture of you like laid on the pavement like a, an upturned no, tortoise or something. Can't, you can't write yourself or whatever. No, I, had to, I had to pretend it. Yeah, no, I hurt myself, didn't I? Because there were other people around just jumped up. <laughs> what, what did you actually do? Though? Just back to the... <laughs> yeah. Were the boys with you? Uh, they gone into school yeah, by well, that point? Yeah, well, I think I, I've mentioned this before, I think, but when they sort of bring the instruments into school and they're like, if kids are interested in playing it, the normal instruments are all gone around, my kid's not interested. Double yeah, bass. I'd, like, I'd go for the triangle or the yeah, tambourine. Double bass came in. <laughs> one of them was like, yeah, I want to play that one. It's the least convenient. Double bass is the size of a man. It's big, it's taller than me, is yeah. this thing. You've got to put the seats down in the car and everything to even get it to school in the first place. But I was carrying that and it was around sports day, so they blocked off the path. So I had to walk on the field with this thing and it was in front of me and I was uneven and I fell. <laughs> carrying a double bass. Carrying a double bass. And then um, my knee bled when I had to get back to the car. I had to jump up and pretend it didn't hurt. Did you then cry? I, then I got back to the car. Did you have a little cry? <laughs> and I got a little alcohol wipe out and cleaned my knee up because it was all covered in blood. You've got a first aid kit in your car, haven't you? I have, yeah. Yeah, good lad. Good lad. Any good false to tell us about Moscow? Can you top that? Uh, no, I can't top that. I, you know, you remember one of Moscow's when you fell off the back of the stage at that awards. Ah, yeah. No, that's true. That's back when that we used to good. win them. I don't know if it tops that. Yeah. There wasn't a double bass involved. It was just some... Hot stage lights that I fell on. <laughs> well, there you go then. That's pretty much the, the, that's the fall chat. Who's the hero? Hang on a minute. I'm saying that's the fall chat exhausted. Oh, okay. But what about naming a uh, hero of the week? Are you picking up my gavel? Yeah, I'm stealing this because you're not using it. I actually think it's uh, I think it's Ruta. I know. I know. I didn't nominate. I know. I didn't nominate him. But I'll find Furpo. I've got, I've got the hammer and the the beer mat. So. Furpo. It's Junior Furpo, is it? Yeah, you can't stop me. I can do right. anything with this now. Fine. He's injured now, though, isn't he? This court awards Moscow a million pounds. There you go. You've got to give it me now. Enjoy your filthy money. Right, that wraps up the show for this week. We'll be back with all the usual stuff at the weekend. We've got the match ball after the uh, the fucking stupid early kickoff against Preston. Mm. I hate Sunday lunchtime kickoffs. Rubbish. Yeah, You're like a bad percussionist. We'll, uh, we'll speak to you next time. The Square Ball Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.